Well, hey there, and welcome to Live It Out, a podcast here at Centenary Church in Lexington, Kentucky, about faith and the 21st century. What does it mean to live as followers of Christ in a post-Christian society today? Each week, we're going to have the amazing opportunity to talk with people across the globe who are committed to walking through this life with Jesus and hear their thoughts and experiences of the Christian life in an ever-changing and hurting world. We hope that this encourages you and helps you in any way. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this week's episode. Welcome to Live It Out. And thanks for joining us today. I'm James Williams, the lead pastor of Centenary Church, and I want to urge you not to miss an episode. Each week you'll hear from some well-known leaders in Christian community and even here around Centenary. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast today and we'll remind you of upcoming programs. I'm excited and feel very privileged to be with today's guest, Janie Lewis. Janie is the director of Natalie's Sisters Ministry here in Lexington, and you are going to be blessed by the power that this dear lady brings through her commitment and faith in leading this very vital ministry here in our city. Natalie's Sisters exists to extend hope, support, and God's unconditional love to sex trafficked and sexually exploited women. Janie, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Welcome to Live It Out. Thank you, James. We're glad to be here. Absolutely. You know, this is unfortunate. I was thinking about this as I was really praying for you and and this interview this week, that there aren't many people in Christian community who would enter into the realm of the sex industry to minister and really rescue. I think, and so I'm fascinated by the work that you all are doing right now. Would you tell us about the history of this ministry and how it began? Yes, we've actually been uh, in operation since 20, since 2000. Um, I used to work at Southland Christian and as a team, as a team member there, um, we ran a, an outreach to the uh, adult entertainment clubs. At that time it was called bruised Reed, And some people may recognize that name. Um, so for about 11 years, we did, uh, we took dinner into a club uh, once a week and just met the women where they were and developed relationships. And we were uh, somebody they could turn to for resources. If they were ready to get out, we were there. Um, but we were there consistently for uh, for 11 years. And then we decided, uh, God really put it on our heart that we needed to reach out and do more than just the clubs. And so we started praying in 2011. And January 1st, 2012, we received a phone call from a gentleman who had been a manager in one of the clubs and had since left. He was on our prayer team and we kept in close contact with him. And he let me know that the first murder in 2012, January 1st, 2012 was a young woman that we had served in the clubs who had moved out onto the street and was doing street level prostitution and um, escorting and her boyfriend slash pimp had murdered her on January 1st. So her name was Natalie um, and he wanted us to know. And so um, we realized at that time that uh, we needed God, we had been praying for a year about what to do next. And we realized that was God saying, this is the direction I want you to go. And we knew nothing about street level prostitution or escorting trafficking, none of that. And so we called on some police friends that we had 
and met with them. And they helped us to develop the street portion of our ministry, uh, which we decided to call Natalie's Sisters, the whole ministry, because we realized that Natalie really epitomized the, the full scope of the women we were serving from the club to the street to the to the escorting, the trafficking. And so in 2012, we, we added in the street portion of the ministry. And when we're, we continue to do that, all of that and, and more up to this day. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. And, and you know, uh, I think that the, the average citizen in Lexington uh, probably doesn't realize the cycle that this includes. Um, and, and, and these folks, they get into these very abusive situations, but at the same time, their income rises to a level that it's hard to get away and do something else. Is that accurate? Actually, it's not. Um, but that is a common misconception. The women okay. that are working in Lexington are not making any money at all. Um, their their sustenance level, um, the clubs you you actually pay to work in the clubs here, and so women will go in and pay to work and not make enough money to to even pay for their their stage fee sometimes, um, or they'll get in hock to the to the owner um, because they can't pay their stage fee and then they have to come back. Um, everybody will have a quote unquote good night where they make big money. And if you ask them what they make, that's what they're going to tell you. Kind of like winning the lottery. Um, but very few people that ever uh, are on a stage in Lexington are making any money. And the women on the street are making nothing. They're primarily the women we work with on the street are homeless. They're dealing with substance use disorder, uh, mental health issues, um, medical issues, so many different things that, um, and, and they're being trafficked. And so they're not making any money or taking home any money at all, to be honest. So they're being victimized in a number of different ways then. Absolutely. There's a common misconception that um, trafficking is, is uh, something that's brought about by strangers that grab you off the street and throw you in a van. And while that does happen, uh, the movies have, have, have convinced people that that's, the typical, and it's not. Um, most trafficking victims are preyed upon by somebody they know, and traffickers rarely take them by force. And and I think 70, I don't have the number in front of me, but let's see, 70% or so or more are trafficked by an intimate partner, a family member, uh, wow. and a, or a good friend. Yeah, that's, that's really something. That's something that I did not realize. So that's helpful for me to know. You know, the symbol of Natalie's sisters is a, a red cord. And I was so um, touched by that. Can you can you explain that a little more? Well, it's right. It's obviously a, 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 a tribute to Rahab, um, who who had great faith and um, believed. And we hope the same for our girls. You know, most of the ladies that we serve are believers. Um, People don't understand that. Um, I'm going to see a lot of these ladies in heaven. I guarantee you most of them have a, have a stronger prayer life than I do um, because yes. they're, they're dealing yes. with um, critical issues every single day. And so it's, it's wonderful to see uh, when they come in and they'll ask for prayer or they'll call, they'll find out one of us is sick and they'll let us know they've been praying for us. Um, it's just a misconception that a lot of them, kind of got off on a rabbit trail there, but um, that's a misconception that people think that they're, they're not uh, believers and they are most of them. Yes. Yes. And Rahab uh, in scripture, uh, of course, uh, was a prostitute, but 
really, um, she's in the, the family lineage of Jesus. And That's a right. lot of people don't realize that either. So I love it that you all use, yeah. use her. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, and the children involved in this, um, Janie, do a lot of the sex industry workers in Lexington have children? They all pretty much have children. They do not have custody of their children. Okay. Now, we have worked with women who have gotten out and who are in recovery that have regained uh, custody of their children and uh, re- reconnected with family, extended family, which is beautiful to see. Um, but I would say 99% of the women that we see, if not 100%, have already lost uh, custody. Okay. Okay. So when you all enter into the situation, they usually are very desperate Yes. at this point. So what's, what's kind of an example of the process that happens with an individual you're helping? Okay. We have uh, several areas to our ministry. Um, we start with a club ministry um, and that we're basically just feeding ladies and letting them know uh, that we have resource referral. We have other ways to help them. We have a a, uh, jail ministry, which goes in not right now because of COVID, unfortunately, and we see them weekly. um, And that's a great thing because when they're in jail, they're kind of at a point where they'll sit and listen. um, And they, they may have more of a a desire for immediate change. Uh, We also have a prayer team. um, So we're praying for these women all the time, but the one that's the most active and probably you're most familiar with is our street drop-off and our drop-in ministry. The street drop-off, we're out weekly um, in areas of town that are uh, high population of women engaged in prostitution, street-level prostitution. And we go out and we take them a meal and a resource card, and one of our team members will uh, explain what we do and invite them to the drop-in center. The drop-in center is our busiest place. Uh, We can have up to 50 ladies in a day uh, join us at the drop-in center. When they come in, um, if it's their first time, they'll fill out a intake form along with our uh, social worker who's there just to get an idea of where they are and what kind of needs they have, um, where they're where they're living, um, if they have a drug problem, that sort of thing. And then we'll start providing whatever resources they're interested in. Some of them will not be interested in anything other than we give out breakfast and lunch and a snack bag every day. We have clothes once a week. Um, we have warm gear during the winter. So some women will actually come and just get that and leave. And that's fine. We don't require anything out of them. Um, but for those who are looking for the resources, uh, we try to get them connected and starting to work on a plan where they can get into rehab. They can get into detox. Uh, they can get an ID. They can have medical care, mental health, uh, whatever it is that they're looking for. We try to provide those resources to them, not personally, but we refer them. So there are no strings attached. You're you're, you're just available. That's correct. The only thing I would say, the only string attached is they have to behave. So if somebody comes in and they they can come in if they're high, because a lot of them are. But if they cause uh, an issue, then we would have to ask them to leave. Sure. Sure. I I really think that is so Christ-like. That's what Jesus did. He just, he was available and, um, you could you could accept what he was offering or not and right and you're loved you're loved in the midst of that no matter what you're oh, they absolutely your are. Yeah. Not to live it. very special oh absolutely and I, I can tell even even you know just the just in conversation with you i can tell that your heart um is so deep for this 
what are some of the demographics in in, Le- in Lexington as far as what what are the age ranges and and um, do you see younger folks in this or are there also older folks? You know, the national national statistics say that most women who uh, become involved in prostitution are age thirteen. Uh, we did not work with women that young, and we typically don't see them that young. We might have a couple underage come in, and we'll refer them to a group that works with young women. But we work with strictly eighteen and over, and that's typically what we will see in the um, on the street level. And I would say they're eighteen to fifty five um, on the street level. Uh, the club level, you're probably looking at a median age range of about thirty except for one club, which is an underage club, you can actually work at 18. Okay. Which is very sad. Yes, absolutely. But but that is legal. It's legal because they don't have alcohol. Okay. All right. I guess a a question I I think as a pastor, a lot of times that I've got a good handle on all this. And the the more I dig into it, the more I understand that I I really don't completely right. understand it. So, what what exactly, Janie, is sex trafficking? Because it encompasses a wide range of activities, doesn't it? You know, I have no, I have cheat sheet because it does get confusing. Yeah. Um, and if I get too deep, just let me know. But no, you go a, ahead. There is sex trafficking, and there's a Kentucky statute for it. Actually, changed the definition changed about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, and the actual. Verbiage is a person is guilty of sex trafficking when they cause a person to engage in commercial sexual activity through the use of force, fraud, or coercion. Now, the force, fraud, or coercion is not necessary to meet that criteria if they're under the age of 18. It's automatic. So then you go into the next step you have to look at is what is commercial sex activity? And commercial sexual activity is defined as there's three things. Any sex act for which anything of value is given to promised or received by the person. So anything of value. The second is participation in the production of obscene material. And the third is engaging in a sexually explicit performance. So they added that third category in. And when they did that, um, if the force fraud or coercion exists, that automatically added in all the ladies that we work with in the adult entertainment industry. Again, you do have to have the force fraud or coercion. But that as well, a year and a half ago, this is where it gets a little confusing, was um, expanded to include several things. The typical use of threat or force, abduction, restraint, everything you see in the movies. The second one is the abuse or threatened abuse of law or legal process, which is very broad. The third is facilitating, controlling, or threatening to control an individual's access to a controlled substance. That's amazing that they added that in because that's every, every one of our ladies 99% of our ladies are addicted to a drug that somebody is doing that with. The next is knowingly destroying, concealing, removing, etc., any passport or other immigration documents or other governmental ID documents of a person or family member. So if they say, I'm going to hold your license and I'm not going to give it back to you, that's trafficking. Use of debt bondage. And this is a big one for us because so many of our ladies deal with mental health issues. The use of an individual's physical or mental impairment when the impairment has a substantial adverse effect on the individual's cognitive function. So that's, it's so broad now that they have done that. And all all of that is located on our website under what is uh, sexual exploitation. So somebody can look that up if they want to want to see it and and understand. But I literally, I mean, obviously I have to look at my cheat sheet because there's so many different 
different uh, forms of trafficking. And how well is that enforced, in your opinion, in Lexington? You know, the issue is the women won't report it. So if somebody takes it uh, and, and they will follow through, um, there, are, there are officers and there are uh, law enforcement that will take and judges that will do what they need to do. In fact, there was a big one. Um, his name was Prince Bixler. Uh, that was maybe just a few weeks ago, finally uh, got his final sentence. Uh, but that was like from three, two or three years before. So it's, um, it's not common just because women don't uh, feel safe or a lot of women don't understand they're being trafficked. They grew up this way. They're second, third generation. Um, it's their boyfriend. It's their, you know, beloved person that's doing this and they don't understand that it's trafficking. I see. Yeah. And, and so do you walk often these folks through a process that um, gets into the legal realm? Do you all go that no, far? We have been involved with the FBI advocate on several, uh, several different ones that typically they will bring somebody to us that they're working with so that we can uh, provide some mentoring and some um, referral stuff to help them while they're dealing with the legal issues. Um, but typically no, because we're dealing with them in the very beginning at that ground level where our biggest goals, not that we don't want to do that, but our biggest goals are getting them, helping them get clean, helping them get into a recovery uh, facility where they can heal. Uh, and that, in that place, I would think that would be where they would start the looking at realizing what they've been through and being willing to move forward with any legal uh, process. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm just so honored that Centenary is one of your partners in ministry. We're we're so thrilled. You all have been involved with us on many levels, and we're excited about that. Absolutely. And and that is going to continue. And and my my hope is that it'll grow. Uh, Jim Gaddis, who's our communications director, he's Mm -hmm. been involved with you all in the past. And and that's just, I I want to see more people be involved with Natalie's sisters. So how does, how can a person be involved with Natalie's sisters, Janie? Well, let me say first, before I go into all this, that nobody needs to write anything down because it's all on our website. If you go to uh, nataliesisters.org and look under the serve tab, all of this will be there. Okay. But there are several ways. There's We have a hands-on team. When those are the people who um, go out on the street, they work at the drop-in center or they go in the clubs. And we will probably have a training for that in uh, April. Um, COVID has really limited a lot sure. of what we can do. So that will probably happen in April and it'll be on our Facebook page. I encourage people to follow us on Facebook um, and watch for that. The support serve team is whatever anybody can do and they don't have to have any kind of training. Um, and it, there's several things. They can collect items like snack bags and toiletry kits. They can collect specific clothing items. Uh, we have a big food team. We do breakfast, lunch, and snack bags daily. And I can, all that information is on the website. They can um, collect items from our most needed list that we post pretty much weekly on Facebook. We have light yard work, facility maintenance, cleaning. We have people who write letters of encouragement, cards. Uh, we have an email prayer team. And I think that covers most of it. But it's all, again, like I said, it's all online. So we would love to have lots of people involved. Okay. All right. Well, Janie Lewis, you are a real blessing. And I want to thank you for 
being with us on Live It Out today. And uh, if you'd like to learn more, as Janie said, about Natalie Sisters or volunteer and be a part of this very vital ministry, you can visit their website at www.nataliesisters.org.org. And again, Janie, thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate the opportunity to share. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you. Keep praying and keep the faith. Live It Out, Faith and the 21st Century is a production of Centenary Church in Lexington, Kentucky. Join Lead Pastor James Williams each week as we engage Christian leaders around the world. Be sure to subscribe today and leave a review of our podcast. To connect with us further, visit our website at lexchurch.com. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to joining you next week. Until then, love one another and live it out.